Imagine if you knew your great great grandparent was a prominent figure or someone who really did something or really impacted, you would know that's in your bloodline. So you automatically would assume, hey, I have greatness in my bloodline. I can go do something. That's a starting point that far exceeds other people that don't have that. And so to know that gives you a mental leg up uh, within society. So that's one reason why the impact is important. And as you said, grandkids, great grandkids, great, great grandkids, generations that will never know me, but be attached to my bloodline will know what I did for the bloodline and have that head start because of the impact that was left. So that's one thing that motivates me and drives me. I am just a girl passionate about breaking old generational cycles so that I can create a better legacy for my children. Welcome to Butterfly Effect, Breaking Old Generational Cycles. Today, I'm talking to my friend Justin Rambo. Justin is an author, poet, serial entrepreneur, husband, father, an all-around good guy, and he serves men who want to do more in their lives, men who have been through ups and downs, challenges, whatever it is, but you know you have more and Justin is there to help you to find that more. Welcome, Justin. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you. Stacey, it's, it's my pleasure to be on your platform and just thank you for having me and I'm ready to dive right in. Perfect. So today I am talking about breaking old generational cycles. When I say those words, what comes up for you, Justin? I would say, honestly, what comes up for me when we talk about generational cycles, it's a way of thinking from generation to generation, but it's perpetuated, I would say, from what my parents and how they grew up and where they grew up and then what they know, what they have known from childhood onto being an adult and having kids. Because what I find is a lot of times as a child, we're looking at our parents as these perfect adults, but they are just still going through life, still learning. But a lot of times, if certain cycles that aren't broken, their parents are really raising us through the eyes of their childhood. And so it's really just trying to figure out a way that you can break through that generational wall or that generational curse or that generational cycle to empower yourself, to better yourself, to grow, and then to bestow that upon your kids as well, uh, those same lessons. Man, you said some good stuff. And one of the most important one that you said is that our parents are raising us through the eyes of their childhood. And as we look at them as these perfect beings wearing the Superman or Superwoman hero cape, right? It's not until we become parents ourselves that we realize there is no such thing. No such thing as a perfect being. No such thing as a perfect parent. I love the way you started with 
looking at the parents with perfect eyes, which is what we typically do. And then later we realize that they weren't perfect, but they're raising us through the eyes of their own childhood. And when we realize that we can break the patterns that they raised us with, I love your words. (laughs) It's empowering. It's empowering. So thank you for that. That's an amazing way to get this conversation started. What generational cycle or pattern are you breaking and why is it important to you? For me personally, it's the the pattern of, well, I guess what I'm doing in terms of now, it's reaching for more in life than just a typical nine to five or just you know, graduating high school and getting a job in a factory or a warehouse, which has been the the pattern um, from my father, grandfather, all the way down. It's being an entrepreneur, going out and doing the things you really want to do in life, not worrying about what people are going to say, not worrying about what people are going to do, and just really trying to do more, have more, and become more in life, and, and being the first one in my family's lineage to do it. And now I'm starting to see the pattern from the younger cousins or the second cousins they're starting to strike out on their own as well. And I want to say indirectly, I have a part in that. And so for me, it's doing more, reaching for more in life. I love that. So stepping out of the proverbial box is what I hear. Mm -hmm. And many of us are stuck in that box, stuck between the lines, stuck with watching the patterns of our parents and their parents, and even living the life that other people told us that's the way it's supposed to go. You know, you go to college, you get out of college, you get, first of all, you better graduate high school. And then you, and they celebrate that and you you must go to college. And, and then after you do that, you get a good nine to five job that's going to give you good benefits and good pension. You promote yourself within the ranks you know, you'd be a good worker. And many of us, because I did that, I fell into that for 20 something years before I branched out and, and left. Yes, 20 Mm. something years. (laughs) Yeah, that's a long time. Listen to me. I was at the same company for 20, almost 21 years, going up the ranks, going through the process that society said I was supposed to do went to college and then some more college and some more college. Mm. And yes, and just followed that path where the lines were narrow. And it's not until you get to a certain point, then it starts to feel restricting and you start feeling like something isn't right. Maybe this is not what I'm supposed to do, but I did that freaking hamster wheel for 20 Mm. plus years, right? That's, That's quite a while. It's a long time. So thank God I'm free. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yep. Let's just say that. But something you said, setting the stage is what came up for me when you said you see some of your younger cousins and the, you know, the younger, um, younger than you starting to take that path of entrepreneurship and starting, starting to step out. And you would definitely say, it's because you're setting that stage. And I love that because that's a part of the cycle breaking. One person just takes one, just has to step out a little bit, do things a little bit different 
And then others will be like, well, I didn't even know we could do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing. And I'm, I really, I love that for you. And I love that for your family. Was there a defining moment that made you decide that this pattern needed to be broken? Uh, so many, I guess, micro moments, because I've always been an ambitious person, though I didn't realize it when I was younger. And so I always had the ambition. And so I guess my story goes early on in, in education. That's where it really starts with me. In first grade, I remember we started having these reading groups and these math groups, and I was always in the, the lower groups. And then I needed extra help from the teachers. And so in my mind, I thought I wasn't smart enough. And since I thought it in first grade, when your brain is so susceptible to what's going on, I perpetuated that thought pattern for the majority of school. And once I graduated high school, that's all my parents really expected me to do. Graduate high school and you can do what you want. But I wanted more out of life. But I still had that mindset of I'm not smart enough. But, you know, I go to college, drop out, go to college, drop out. So I dropped out two times. By this time, I had my oh, my uh, oldest daughter now, uh, but she was born when I was young. And in my head, okay, I never felt smart. And I dropped out of college two times. I have a daughter now. Uh, maybe I should just follow my, my parents' footsteps. I'm, I'm just not smart enough. And all they expected me to do was graduate high school. Now, it's just because of how they you know grew up. And so I said, you know what? Let me give this college thing uh, a third try. And I wanted to do it to prove something to myself. It's not that I wasn't smart enough. It's what happened in first grade, but how I perceived it. So my third stint in college, I finally graduated with the, with a bachelor's degree. And my GPA was a lot higher than any other year I've ever had, where it looks like there's two different people. I realized I learned different. And so that was the first spark. Okay, I learned different. I just thought there was one way, but there's multiple ways to do it. And so the second spark was, all right, well, let me get like a little part-time job in something I'm not used to. My my father, my grandfather, like I said, they warehouses and factories and things like that. And so I got this job at a, in an affluent area and it was something that I was not used to, but I started to excel in that job. I was the only one that looked like me, African-American, had my earrings in, had my hat backwards, but I started getting promotions working part-time and I realized if I'm myself, and I continue to work on myself, then I can achieve more. But there was still that ambitious side of me. And so what was really happening is I was cultivating and understanding how I operate best, but getting the tools from, let's say, corporate America to then strike out on my own and do certain things. So years later, I opened up a personal training studio. I had that for a number of years. And then I, I opened up a personal development online business. And so it was just all these things, but it's showing my family and the younger generations who at first didn't get it. They thought I was crazy for trying these different things. Hey, you can be what you want with what you have. You just have to be bold enough to do it. And so those two defining moments, you know, school and finally graduating and then getting a job in the affluent area are the things that gave me that shift, uh, the mindset shift. Listen, if we stay within the confines of that proverbial box I told you about. If you never venture out from where you grew up, if you never venture out to see other lifestyles, then you will always believe that's all there is. And so your, your story hit 
wonderfully because the moment you were able to see something different mm-hmm. was the moment you knew, holy crap, there is more out there for me. Right. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, Justin, that really hit home for me when you were speaking that you learn different. And do you know how many men and women, adult men and women are out there that never recognize that the reason why the teacher in first grade treated them the way they did is because that teacher did not understand their learning style. Mm. And because you were such a young child without the cognitive understanding that that teacher just didn't know how to do her job, you owned it. Mm -hmm. Because children, when adults mistreat them or when adults do something that is not to their benefits, they don't blame the adults. They blame themselves. Mm -hmm. I must be stupid. I must be this. I must not be good enough. They never look and say, that teacher don't know that I learned different. So that teacher is not doing her job or his job. They own it. Just like we own when our parents talk to us a certain way, treat us a certain way, even when it's about the parents. So that was a big one. And to all the listeners out there, that's a point for your your children right there is the things that we say to them, the way we treat them now shapes their understanding of themselves, even when it's not true. Mm-hmm. So that's huge. That's a big one. That's a huge one. Yeah, it is. And you know what? And uh, to hit on two points for that is, well, like you said, children, it, depending on how you speak to them, that's what their perception of how they can produce in the world or how they are in the world or how they perceive themselves. And so my middle daughter, who was now 11, is what I call very gun shy, right? She's scared to make a decision. She doesn't want to upset anyone. She doesn't want to rock the boat. And I had to really think about why she's like that because I'm I'm a go-getter. I'll go do it and say it, whatever. Mm-hmm. And my oldest daughter is like that too. But then I had to re- really remember, and this is part of growth, when she was in, I don't know if it was kindergarten or first grade, I asked her a simple math question, something that they had been learning. And she wasn't getting it. To me, it's a simple question. I'm an adult at this point. But my reaction towards her made her gun shy in that one moment that she has been perpetuating. And I now have been working on it to say, hey, it's okay if you get it wrong. It's okay if you don't get it right. And then I'll give examples of how I get certain things wrong because I'm realizing as a child, she's looking at me as an adult as he has it together. I don't have it together. No one does. (laughs) And so that's one of those things where you have to really sit back and analyze yourself because like I said, we raise our children for the most part, through the eyes of how we grew up. And so my reaction to her is how my dad reacted to me when yes. I didn't get good grades. Yeah. But, it, and then in terms of the graduating college, for me, one reason, like I said, is I wanted to prove to myself, but it was pivotal for me because no one in my family had ever graduated college. Yes. Mom, dad, siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents, no one had graduated college. And I have a big family on both right. sides. And so- that's another thing that showed and helped break the generational cycles from for the the younger cousins and things like that after me. And so uh, those two things were really important, I guess, for me. So, you know, and they're important overall because, you know, I had some firsts too. But most importantly, when we feel like we're not good enough, 
and we're able to prove to ourselves that we are enough. Sometimes we prove it to our detriment, you know, right. like the 20 plus years in corporate America trying to be an independent soul that I did to a point was to my detriment because there was a long time before I left that I knew that there was more to me. I knew nothing about entrepreneurship. I, I knew intrapreneurship where you work for someone. Mm. So nobody in my environment at the time spoke about being an entrepreneur. That whole thing is new to me. There was a perceived um, security with going to work for someone. Mm -hmm. And so to your point, it's like you have something to prove and you're going to prove whether you knew it or not to the first grade teacher that I'm good enough. Yep. That's it. And sometimes, yes, we prove to our detriment, but sometimes we just have to do it so that we can learn from that and move on. And I'm really, I must applaud you for identifying that where that your daughter's indecisiveness and gun shy, mm -hmm. so to speak, came from. And that you can own that as a parent because a lot of parents aren't able to own it and apologize. I had to do that to my son the other, <laughs> you know, the other day. He's 20 years old, right? And I'm sitting at the dining table by myself being reflective. And I thought of a moment when he was in elementary school that I reacted to his work in a very, what I would call piss poor parenting way. Mm -hmm. And it just came to me and I called him and I was like, you know, you've met my son. I was like, yeah, he's a yeah. really good kid. And I was like, I called him and I was like, hey, do you remember that time you were doing homework? We were sitting right here at this table and, you know, you, I told you that your, your work was horrible and, uh, you know, the way I reacted to your work, you remember that? And he said, yes, I do. And I said, you know, I want to apologize for the way I re reacted to your work. And I literally said to him, that was piss poor parenting. And, you know, Mike, he's just such a laid back. He's just like his dad. He's a laid back kid. And he was just like, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I said, no, it isn't what it is. That was piss poor parenting. And I didn't know better. And I should have known better, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. I said, in hindsight, I should have accepted your work because that's what you were capable of producing then. And then I should have dug in to find out why. But mommy wasn't there. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I, and to your point, um, Justin, I was just reacting from how I was parented, right. how how somebody might have treated me about my work, schoolwork not being to its best or to its perfection. And so many years later, I recognized that that was just not the way. But some parents would have just kept it moving. I couldn't. Mm -hmm. I couldn't keep it moving. I don't care that he's 20 years old. I need him to know that that's not the way it wasn't him because we don't want our children to continue down a path where they feel less than, or they feel like they're not good enough because of some thing we did because we did not know how to parent. Right. And, and to that point, 
it's so important what we say to our kids, right? Yes. And that can have a life, just a lifelong lasting impact. But imagine what we actually say to ourselves when we're kids. And if you remember my story, I told myself I was stupid. No one mm-hmm. else did. Yeah. No one said it. I said it. And yes. so that's part of, you know, kids are kids, but that's part of the parents recognizing, you know, when my oldest daughter was actually struggling in school when she was younger, I saw that same pattern that I was struggling in. And I went to her and I tried to figure out how she learned. And then I gave her the resources to understand it the right way, because I think that's one of the important things that I missed when I was younger. So that same perpetual, hey, I'm not smart enough. It's because I didn't know how I I, I actually learned, but I didn't have the right resources or couldn't find. They didn't know how to find the right resources to actually. It's like trying to fix something without tools. You'll just keep, you know, trying to fix it and it won't work. and You'll get frustrated. So given the right tools and right resources, just in life in general, you can grow, you can go further, just like the reason we go to conferences and things like that. Yes. I love the stage that you're setting, not only for your children, but as we even have this conversation, me and you being parents and learning from our mistakes and being open and honest to share that none of us are perfect. We make mistakes. And it's not about us making mistakes because our children are so forgiven. Mm-hmm. So it's really for us to man up and woman up and tell our children we are sorry and even explain to them that this path that we took, we didn't know any better, but now we do. I remember in that story, you've also met my daughter. She's 12 years old. And in that story, when I was talking to my son, because I was, you know, talking aloud in the house, I heard my daughter yell out, yeah, mommy, what the heck was that? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, and I just remember just thinking my children can look at me and say, she's not perfect. And she own up to her imperfection. Mm -hmm. And then that gives them that I can make mistakes. I don't have to be perfect. I can figure it out from my failures because that is so important. So I'm really applauding you and celebrating you for stepping out of that box, moving from that, the confines and the, the old constructs of what we were told. If you're not smart enough, then you, you don't, you don't have to go to college. Just, just go find a job in the factory and, you know, just be robotic. We were not brought on this earth to be robots. We were mm-hmm. not brought on this earth to just follow rules that people put on us because it makes them comfortable that's not what we're here for we have within us so much potential that can take us to as far as we desire to go and the things that people say to us as children the way we're treated as children it's a guiding post for us until we recognize that it was bullshit yep that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. And then we can gear off that path. So I'm so happy for that. So what gems do you have to share with the listeners um, when it comes to breaking the patterns that you've been breaking? So I want to say this. A lot of times people are, they're stuck on what they don't know. And that stops them dead in their tracks. And 
for years, I didn't get in front of people to speak. I didn't step in front of audiences to speak. I didn't go in front of a camera at all years ago. But when you know you're meant for more and you know you want to do more, you want to have more, you want to become more, there are things that are you're going to have to do regardless. And so those things that you're scared of, you just start doing it. And the more you do it, the fear starts to dissipate because that fear is put in place to protect you. And if it was unknown, well, your body, your mind doesn't know how to adjust to it. But once you do it, it becomes known. And so that fear, like I said, starts to dissipate. But the key is within trying those things over and over, you start to find some new strengths and some new superpowers as you go along. And so me doing videos, I didn't understand that I was a charismatic person. I didn't understand that I moved a lot when I talked. I didn't understand that I would smile a lot. I didn't understand I had certain wisdoms inside of me until I put it out there. And then I realized I have other gifts that were lying dormant because I was too scared to step out. So if you're anyone who wants to do more, have more and become more, there are some things you're just going to have to do in order to get to the next step, get to the next ladder, get to the next rung and go forward. Absolutely love that. I tell my clients all the time that action will help to dissipate the fear. Mm -hmm. Action will help to eliminate the fear because the fear is the freeze, the, you know, the fight, flight, freeze. That's your fear. Mm -hmm. And to your point, it helps to protect you because there are times when that fear, that healthy fear you feel in the pit of your stomach that says, don't take another step at that ledge because if you step, you're going to fall. And that same feeling is a healthy fear. It's the fear that protects us. And yes, we need to recognize when it's protecting us, but we also need to recognize when we should take action because only with action will we start to feel like, oh, so I can speak on a camera. Oh, this, this is okay. I'm, I'm still here. The, the earth didn't open up and swallow me in, you right. know? And and then the more we do the thing to your point, not only do we get better at that thing, I love what you said. You start to discover other superpowers. Mm -hmm. I love that. I so love that. Superpowers so are important. I just So one thing I do in order to, to push me forward, in order to motivate me is... I, I'm a big picture thinker and I love history, right? History mm -hmm. is personal development. You learn a lot through someone else's entire lifespan in a short amount of time. But I also look at my lifespan, my parents, my grandparents, great grandparents. And then I say, hey, no one really knows how much time you have on this earth. Like mm -hmm. no matter if you live, you know, 70 years, 90 years, it's still within the grand scheme of time. It's a short amount of time. So if I can look at my grandparents, I know their names. I kind of know what they did for a living, but if I look at my great-grandparents, I may or may not know their names, depending on who you are. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what they did. So my biggest thing is I want to leave a legacy. I want to contribute. In order to do that, you have to have massive impact. In order to have massive impact, you have to take action. And in order to take action, you have to understand there's only a, a finite amount of time that we have on this earth. And so make the most of it within the time you have. That means you have to go now and do something now and not wait because you don't know what's around the corner. I absolutely agree with that. 
the legacy that you want to leave. This That's why I do this podcast. That's why I speak on platforms about breaking old generational cycles and patterns because the legacy I want to leave for my children and my children's children, it supersedes anything that came before me seven, eight, nine, 10 generations before me. Because mm-hmm. to your point, a lot of it we don't know because, you know, it's just recently you see people doing their ancestry and, you know, digging into finding out who this person was. And the funny story to that is if we don't know where we come from, it's really difficult about setting a path forward because sometimes where we come from is really embedded in us, embedded in our, our our subconscious, embedded in our DNA. And we are moving along on that path until something breaks, right? Mm. And then you go, oh my goodness, what is this? And it's generations before. So I love that you're speaking about setting a legacy and, and changing that legacy and really knowing what you want to leave for your children, your grandchildren. That is so important. That's really important to me. That's my passion, really. There you go. Yeah, you know what? Empower is energy, right? Energy is everything. And energy doesn't stop from one generation to the next. So Mm -hmm. imagine this. So for anyone that's listening, imagine if you knew your great-great-grandparent was a prominent figure or someone who really did something or really impacted you would know that's in your bloodline. So you automatically would assume, hey, I have greatness in my bloodline. I can go do something. That's a starting point that far exceeds other people that don't have that. And so to know that gives you a mental leg up uh, within society. So that's one reason why the impact is important. And as you said, grandkids, great grandkids, great, great grandkids, generations that will never know me, but be attached to my bloodline will know what I did for the bloodline and have that head start because of the impact that was left. So that's one thing that motivates me and drives me. Absolutely. I just call it, give them something to be proud of. For God's <laughs> right. sake. Like, yeah. Give them something to be proud of. Because to your point, if I know that my great grandparents or further down um, made a positive impact, that's something I'm proud of, right? Mm-hmm. And and I want to emulate. So, you know, I remember my grandfather um, passed away um, maybe around eight or nine years now. It's been a while. And when we went to his funeral service at the church that he um, was a part of a member of for many, many years, we looked around the church. People came up to speak about him, some of the, the members of the church. And everybody talked about his carpentry work because he was a old school carpenter that built things. And they kept saying, um, he built that over there and he built that over there. Wow. And the church, listen to this, Justin, and this is the first time it that really popped in my mind to speak to, but it's important. His legacy of his carpentry was all over the church mm. the 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 podium that that we were standing at he built the rails that mm. 
the wood his woodwork was everywhere and it wasn't until people came up and were saying it you know this is church in philadelphia that he was a member of and it wasn't until people started speaking of him you know these funerals can go forever and ever and people kept coming up to talk about my grandfather and his legacy and i remember when he built that thing i didn't know my grandfather wow. did all that and i started looking around a darn church and my grandfather's carpentry work was everywhere that's powerful everywhere that's the type of legacy it made me proud i'm talking about it right now and my freaking skin <laughs> is goosebumps because that's the type of legacy you're talking about mm -hmm. and it made me proud so if you're listening out there when you hear us talking about breaking old generational cycles and legacies we're not trying to throw out everything we're trying to throw out what doesn't make us proud we're trying to throw out what's going to hinder the next generation mm. that's it but if it makes you proud keep it but you see when it becomes destructive it's time for you to throw that out mm. i love it yep so did you did you run up against any challenges um or roadblocks in this seeking to change these old generational patterns. Yes. And I would say the, the biggest challenge and hurdle would be old patterns that would creep up. Right. So, you know, once I graduated, okay, I can actually do this thing. I learned a different way, but there would be a new challenge that would have me revert back to the old way. Oh, I'm not smart enough to get through this situation or figure it out. And then you start to go down that rabbit hole. But since you've conquered it once, you then have the tools, like I was saying, to get through it again. And so I would say it, it's the repeating uh, mindset from, you know, when you're young, it's very impressionable. And since it was until like my mid 20s, that's the majority of my life, right? Mm -hmm. I'm th almost 37 now. So that was the majority of my life. And so it's a constant tugging and pull and then battle of old mindsets that were so strong. Yes and fighting through it yeah you get tools along the way you're you're more equipped along the way but those same things tend to creep up so i think for me those are the biggest challenges uh in terms of trying trying to go forward and for someone who's this ambitious as i am mm -hmm. it's easy for those to creep back up because i'm always seeking new things and those yes. new things bring challenges Absolutely. Our mind can be our biggest challenge because the old things are creeping. And I, I find that a lot with my clients because, you know, I do the RTT, mm -hmm. Rapid Transformational Therapy, where I help people to tap into their subconscious mind and help them to release those old patterns of thinking. They don't go away. Mm -hmm. You just learn how to manage them. Right. You you learn how to acknowledge when, oh, that's that old pattern coming back, that old thoughts coming back. And then you learn how to manage them. We can be our biggest roadblock sometimes, mm -hmm. just going back to those old way of thinking. So I want to ask you to just tell us more about the work that you do and how do you help people, how people can reach you, because... I really do believe that there are a lot of men and women. I know you serve people, men gravitate to you more, but there are a lot of people that can benefit from what you do. So share with us. 
the biggest thing I would say, honestly, one way I help people is the way that helped me. One of the ways that helped me is what I call mental saturation, right? So I have that in chapter seven of my book. It's on Amazon's called Turn Down the Noise. And that whole chapter is about mental saturation because what we bring in mentally, it's it, it's like a sponge. We soak it up. And at some point, that sponge, something's going to squeeze it. So whatever's in it is going to come out. So if you put soda in a sponge, squeeze it, soda's going to come out. If you put water in a sponge, squeeze it, water's going to come out. And so what I would end up doing is I would saturate my brain with affirmations, with motivation, with inspiration, with knowledge, the things I wanted to learn. And so eventually what happened, those things started coming out. Instead of those negative thoughts, positive thoughts would come out. Instead of having the doubt, okay, well, maybe it wouldn't be doubt that would come out. It would be, okay, this is happening, but let me figure out how to get through it. And so it's the mental saturation. So one, you know, I will help people a couple of ways. One thing uh, I was doing in the past was one-on-one coaching and I got into group coaching uh, and that worked a lot uh, better for the clients and myself because there's synergy in the group. And then it's more recently, and I'm not sure if you've been seeing it, but I've gotten into spoken word. And so the reason I got into spoken word, it's, it's weird because what I teach is you find your foundation, right? Find out who you are first. And then along those, uh, along finding that foundation, you have your strengths, right? You start to find your superpowers. All right. So now you need to put a goal together. And then once you have the goal, then you start going forward in life. And my dad who worked and uh, as a mechanic or like uh, factories, things like that, his whole life, my grandfather's the same thing. My dad has always been really good in poetry. He never did anything with it. My brother has always been really good in poetry. I myself have always been really good with poetry, but I didn't realize it was a superpower. I didn't realize it was a strength. I thought mm-hmm. everyone could do what we did. And so um, listen to motivational videos and I'm realizing one day I'm going through something. I'm like, you know what? Let me just talk to myself on the mic, record it and see what happens. Put some music behind it. So I started doing that. And I realized there's an impact there from other individuals once I put it on YouTube. So then I started thinking, okay, my dad's a good poet. My brother's a good poet. I'm a good poet. I love music, but I can't listen to certain types of music because the mental saturation part. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Let me find something I'm really good at and something I love and put it together. Yes. So I started putting my poetry to music, which is I call swim music, right? Spoken word, inspirational music. Mm-hmm. And that alone has helped other individuals because maybe they didn't need the one-on-one coaching. Maybe I didn't want to get into the weeds with what's going on in their life, but those inspirational words have helped them a lot. And so that's what I've been really focused on because the ultimate goal is to inspire and help as many people as possible. Yes. And so while the, the tactics may have shifted, the target is still the same. The delivery is different, but more powerful. And so that's what I've been doing. Absolutely. I see that the, your, your baseball cap that you're wearing, it says, I am, mm-hmm. and I can't read the rest of it. So it says, uh, I can't read this backwards in this camera, but I think it says, um, I am versatile success. So versatile success is my personal development company. And so okay. that's where I was doing the group coaching and things like that. And it's powerful what you say about the spoken word, because When we allow ourselves to tap into our superpowers, the divine creator has given us a gift 
And all of us have it within us, whatever that gift is for you. Some people do music, some people sing, some people write, some people draw, it's in art. It's just in movement, some people dance. We have that superpower within us. And that superpower, when we tap into it, it is really to benefit the collective. It is very healing, not just to ourselves, but to others. Our voice is our superpower Mm -hmm. when we use it in a positive way to help the collective. So I'm so excited to hear about that. And, you know, I I just love it. I love that you were even able to look back and say, brother is good with poetry. Don't do. Father was good. Don't. Hey, let, let me tap into my superpower. I love that, Justin. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. So how can people reach you? Yeah. So you can go to my website. It's justinramble.com. Uh, if you want to email me, it's contact at justinramble.com. Uh, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, I believe the it's at justinramble1, the number one. And that's where you can see all my motivational videos, uh, my spoken word, um, coaching services. All those things are right on all those platforms and the website. That's lovely. And I look forward to the listeners hearing this podcast and really tapping into you can start as a first grader feeling like you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, telling yourself all the negative things to moving through knowing now as an adult that you cannot not only change the trajectory of your life, but help others and create a ripple effect, break old patterns, break old cycles, and create a legacy that your children's children will be proud of. So thank you so much for showing up today for us and sharing your insights and your wisdom. Stacy, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I always say, I love being on this side of podcasting. So I did podcast hosting for a long time. I love being on this side of it as well. Uh, it's just something comes out of me. So definitely appreciate you for having me on your show. And I want my listeners to know that in the end, I want you to be inspired to break free from the old constructs of the past and create a new legacy. 